0: Okay, Psalm 33. Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke. And it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold... The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us accordingly as we have hoped in you let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is majestic and uh, so are all your attributes. You are sovereign and in control of all things. The words that come from my mouth, the, the words that people hear in the, in the pew here. you love your people and you condescend to meet us. Um, and Lord, we ask that you would cause us to be enlivened by the scripture here today to see what is here for us to see how we ought to worship, how we ought to love, how we ought to think. May we stand in awe of you and in fear of you. I pray that we would wait for you uh, like the psalmist prays. God, you are all things to us. You are amazing. And let us see you as thus, God. We love you and ask you to be here in our hearing, Um, in Jesus' name, Amen. So, forgive me. Let me let me grab some water. (laughs) All right. So, just as a uh, as a forewarning here, I've never preached so many verses uh, before, but I have timed myself so. I should be on time. Um, this This morning, my, we were at, in Reading, and my father-in-law asked me, hey, this is the first thing he said to me in the morning. Is like 6 a.m. He's like, uh, you, so you got a Father's Day sermon, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, I, I had not thought of it at all. So if you guys are expecting one of those, I'm sorry. It's not going to be one of those. Um, and he's, so he's like, okay, so what are you preaching on? Psalm 33. And I thought that would be enough. That was a good enough answer for me at 6 in the morning before I had my coffee. And uh, and he's like, well, what's that about? And I'm like, gosh, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of verses. Um, but what I want you to to grasp and to hold throughout the whole thing is the main point. Um, because we're going to talk a lot about the attributes of God, who he is, what he does, why why." Um, and uh, hopefully our hearts will just soar in that. But the main point of Psalm 33 um, is, is this. It's Psalm 33's main point is that God's majestic power is on display. His masterful plans and the blessedness of being made his people by his salvific covenant keeping love. So we're going to see those things here. God's majestic power His masterful plans and the blessedness it is for us as his people to to be made his people by his his salvific covenant keeping love. That's what that's what we're going to find here today. And I'm going to do it in uh, four sections. So the first one will be uh, verse one to seven. The second one will be see if I have it actually written here. The second section. Is going to be 8 through 11. Uh, Section 3 will be 12, just verse 12. And then the final section will take the rest of the the rest of the scripture. So I'm going to read again 1 through 7 so we can have it in our mind because that's a lot to listen to. Okay. So let's let's read again 1 through 7. Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the Together as a heap, he lays the deep in storehouses. So the first thing we encounter here is an injunction and a a command. Worship! I don't know many songs that start out that intense, but it's it's full bore right away. Sing! Exalt! Give thanks! Make music! Uh, Again and again and again. Um, And and that's what God is worthy of, and we're really going to see that here in the Scripture. Um, but I want to make two observations in the first three verses here. Um, one is that God is desiring in worship, uh, a sense of focus and dedication to it. If you look, uh, the one word that you can see for sure here is in verse three, the second part of that play skillfully, well, let play skillfully. And he talks about with a harp or a lyre, um, and so there's a, when we come to worship, both before and after, this is something we should be really focused on, not just doing it, but giving our best to the Lord um, as we hear, as we sing as a congregation. It's really important. Sometimes I just say the words, uh, and, but it's something that God wants all of you in to work at it. I, I would encourage, if Brian was here, I'd encourage him, Work on, those, work on those strings to, to not be afraid to, to embellish a little bit. So that's one observation. Another would be... Um, uh, never mind, I have the same thing there. So the, the second thing I want you to notice um, in here is who is being commanded. Verse 1 says, Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. And then, and again, praises becoming to the upright, the righteous, the upright. And I just want to ask: Do you feel righteous? Do you feel like this psalm applies to you? Are, are you the righteous one? Often, I see in the psalms and feel like like I don't I don't measure up to the to the to the word there. Righteous ones, am I? am i and the the beauty about where this psalm sits is if you want to look back at psalm 32 and the very first two verses this is what paul is going to use in romans chapter 4 to talk about justification being made righteous before god alone without uh apart from works so I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm actually going to read this and then I'll go to Romans 4. It says, how blessed, this is Psalm 32, 1 and 2, just the Psalm right before. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And Romans chapter 4 Here's Paul's argument. It says, Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but as what is due. But, here, listen to this very carefully, but to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, us, the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man whom God credits righteousness apart from works and then he quotes that, that verse. And so the answer to the question are does this psalm is it just for the Jew? Is it is it is it how's it how's this for us today or I don't feel righteous um is the answer is yes, this is to you. You are the righteous one. You're the upright one here because righteousness here is that which is credited to you by God. You're righteous by faith as a gift. Not not of your own doing. This is this is something God does. So yes, this is for you. Uh, You're righteous. But on the other hand, the righteous here um, are also called that throughout all like Old Testament, the, the prophets, um, everywhere, because the the way their their character is lived out. They actually do righteous stuff, right? So God when he saves you, he changes you. He transforms you. There's a heart transplant. We call it regeneration. And then out of that new person, you live differently. And you actually live righteously. That's a gift. And God, God by his spirit, does that in you. So, yes, you're righteous, not because of works. God does that. He credits it to you. And only, only after that do you live out righteously. So in two ways. We are the, the righteous here in this scripture, and it absolutely applies to us. And I, I, I must stress that the order, that order is of the utmost importance. Why? Because it is damnable to say that because of all the things that I do, one day I'm going to stand before God and be justified. My works are going to save me. That is not the order we have here. The order is, is that which God gives as a gift so that you're made righteous by faith and faith alone and then works. Um, no one is saved by works. We're saved by grace. And so here, know that you're the one being addressed. You're the one in mind. And God saves you to live upright and holy. And therefore, the command, worship him, which we just did. In song, specifically, that's here. Um, and in that, that, we ought to put time, effort, and do it, do it well. Um, and focus again on verse 1. It says, sing for, and highlight this in your mind for joy or joy. What's it? What's it say, you, Joel? Do you have the ESV? What's it say in the ESV? Or is it just verse one. Shout for joy! Is it the same thing? Shout for, joy. Shout for joy! Okay, I thought it was a little bit different, but that's good. For joy in the Lord, um, and and just highlight that circle. God doesn't just command the actions—just raising of your hands, singing your voice, playing skillfully on the. I'm not the liar, the guitar now, but that—that's not. It's not merely about the action. He commands your affections and your desires, the core of your being, um, and, and that's an amazing thing. A lot. It—it—it it blows people's mind. They talk to somebody and God commands you to love Him. Like, I can't just love Him, and so saved by grace, we we do that. But this is an amazing thing. God wants your joy, and what does what it what does it mean also to to shout for shout for joy in the Lord? Um, and I think it means this: is, is a loving God uh, accompanies the, the shouting to Him, or maybe saying it another way is 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 a heart a heart's delight in in Father son and holy spirit fuels your worship this is the core this is what drives you to to worship rightly and that's what god wants and just to say also here uh the lord i will probably say yahweh a bunch in in the hebrew and in your bible you can see capital L O R D every occurrence of that in the whole text is yahweh the Jews uh, were nervous to say that as a part of tradition, but uh, it appears in all Scripture that that none of the scriptural writers were scared to say Yahweh. So Yahweh is God's covenant name; it's what He revealed to Moses, and He said, "Who who uh, who shall I say sent me?" When He's about to rescue the people from um, from Pharaoh under Pharaoh, if they ask, "Who who sent me?" Who should I say, Yahweh sent you. That's, that's who sent you. And so here, one through three, sing, make melody, praise the Lord from the heart. That's what's being communicated to us. And what a joy it is to do that. Now we're going to see, the psalmist is going to start to elaborate on his praiseworthiness. He's absolutely worthy of praise. It is not something that you have to muster up. It bursts forth from the Christian heart. It does. And we'll read it. Let's um, go four through seven now. For the word of the Lord is upright. Uh, let me let me backtrack a little bit. So in, in one, in the uh, the second part of one, it says, praise is I want to just see watch a connection. So see the word upright in verse one. Praise is becoming, you could say suitable. It's fitting. It it I think the ESV says a weird word befits. I never heard it other than that verse. It it's fitting, it's suitable. It makes sense in uh in continuity with what's going to be said. Praise is becoming to the upright. So w- worship is fitting for Christians. Why verse 4? For the word of the Lord is upright. So when God speaks, it's it's upright. It's it's true. And he's going to elaborate and all of his work is done in faithfulness. So God's God's word is upright and his work is, is faithful. And those are the reasons it makes sense. And it's, it's fitting that that when we praise him, our, our work of praise from the heart is would be cons- consistent and upright with him. Um, God's word is a reflection of his character, right? We, we know this in, in looking at the law. God, God commands um, to, to do certain things in accordance with who he is. Um, and God's word here, upright, meaning morally pure. It's, it's morally righteous. It's, it's morally holy. And he's commanding us... To to not be like Pharisees who, um, who had said in Matthew twenty three, Matthew twenty, Matthew, Matthew twenty three. So when God commands us to 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 be like Him in this way and to be to be upright because God is upright and His His Word is upright and He is faithful in His works, we see the opposite in Matthew twenty three. The of, of the Pharisees, Jesus said this, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses, which is a teaching office, I believe. And they're speaking the scripture. So what's coming out of their mouth is right. It's true. It's correct. And, and so Jesus is going to say about that. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do Excuse me, but do not do according to their deeds for the for they say things and do not do them. God's the opposite. He speaks and he does in accordance with his word. He tells you truth and he does the exact same. Uh, He's not hypocritical like we see in the Pharisees. And he's commanded that in our worship. And that's why it's fitting together uh so you can say it this way what what he says in uprightness he does with faithfulness what he says in uprightness he does with faithfulness verse 5 says it's going down to god's heart god loves yahweh loves what righteousness and justice so his word is true what he does is faithful and his heart loves what is true, what is true and good and faithful, what is just. And our culture, I, I, I can't hardly but think of our culture talking about, oh yeah, God loves righteousness and justice, uh, but we don't hear it in a very biblical way. Um, one thing that that I feel like I hear every day in our culture uh, assailing me is the. LGBTQA plus squared, whatever, whatever the other letters are, that whole movement says, yeah, the oppressed peoples of this group um, uh, need social justice and God created them as they are and they need freedom from the tyranny of this. uh, These Christians would be one of those, one of those groups that they need freedom from. But that's not, that's not how biblical justice is defined, right? How, what kind of justice and righteousness does, does, does God love? How do we know that? And we all know the answer inherently, but um, I think Psalm 1 says it really well. What kind of righteousness and justice does God love? It says... How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of Yahweh, the instruction of Yahweh. And his law on his law, he meditates day and night. And then it says of that man later in verse, the later part of the verse, it says he knows, God knows, Lord knows the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked he does not. And the way of the righteous is found in scripture genesis chapter one talks about the ordinance and the covenant of of marriage and and what a man is and what a woman is and and that's the thing that god loves is what he has said in his word which is a reflection of what we just read right so god loves that verse four through through seven there's this there's a i said word work heart that's verse four And then he says, verse 5, which he says, he loves righteousness and justice. But the second part of the verse, it says, the earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. I think the ESV says steadfast love of the Lord. The NIV says, I think it's unfailing love. And NET says faithfulness. And every time this specific word comes up in the scripture, it's called hesed. That word comes up in in these translations that that are really focused on what's what's in the original text always translated the same way. It's because it has a really technical, specific meaning. And so you, it's it's I think it's, it is best explained to me as covenant keeping love. God makes promises and he holds up his end of the bargain every time. That's what kind of love shows up here. Um, And you'll see in some really big passages where the Lord proclaims his name. But he's the psalmist here says that that covenant keeping love. And who does God have covenant with the righteous? Right. He doesn't have covenant with every people in the world, um, maybe in a general way. But that's usually not how the Bible talks about it. But there's a covenant love towards his people. Right. But it's said that that is throughout all the world. What does that mean? I think it's the same thing that's meant in Psalm 19 and Romans 1. Psalm 19, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. They're, they're declaring his, his works. It says the, the, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Romans 1, in, in continuity with that, says that God has made his invisible attributes apparent to every person. Uh, Every every person on the planet sees the work of of God, his invisible attributes, and talking about his power and his divine nature. People know God is holy. People know God is powerful. People know God is, is righteous. And that's the sort of things that we see. And so it actually strikes me as amazing to say that God's special love towards His people is seen everywhere in the world. Before the gospel has gone out to all the world, it's it's in Israel, but everybody on the planet sees this. There's there's consistency, um, and I want to take you. So those two verses you know, one that you may not know, uh, I would encourage you just as a side note to go look at, at Psalm one thirty six and see how. Every other line, it says for the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever through like many, 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 many verses. And it talks about God's redemption and talks about um, his general power and stuff. Very consistent with our text. So if you have time, uh, go look at that. But there's a a text in in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 30, 20 and 21. You you don't have to go there, but I'm going to read it real quick. Um. Uh, Excuse me, I was going the wrong way. Jeremiah, 30, 20, and 21. Maybe. Maybe I copied that wrong. I did, but I know the content of it, so I'll tell you anyways. I know it's right around there. Maybe it's 31, 20. Anyways, doesn't matter. It says that the, the covenant of God with the day and the night. So God, just think about this. The sun rises and sets every day. God has kept it in motion. And he has a covenant, it says, with that day and night, sun and the moon, stars, so that they're always, it's like an unbreakable natural occurrence. If that can be stopped, if the if the sun can be held down and stopped, then my covenant with David can be thwarted, too, um, is what it said there. And what's in short, what's the covenant with David? The covenant with David is God promised the Christ, Jesus Christ, to come and save us. That is could never be broken as, as much as we rely on the sun and the moon and the stars in their orbit. Uh, how much, even if we're thinking about Chesed all over the world, how much do we have to trust that that's going to happen? Well, we can trust it so much that we set our whole calendar to, to the rising and setting of the sun, the seasons. It's the same every year. There's some fluctuation, of course, because God likes some variety. But... A minute is 60 seconds always faithful there's things that people see every day the and we can base our whole calendar and clock off the faithfulness of god and so he's gonna he's gonna echo again let, let me make this point we, everybody can see this but there's a special love that god has for his people um and we'll see that so he he it, i think that's a broader statement he comes back in verse 6 and 7 in our text here today as a restatement of what he said God's power in creation let's just read it by the word of the lord the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts the word creating all things is amazing also revealed in genesis but amazing nonetheless he gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap he lays up the deep in storehouses. We, we got a vacation uh, to go to Monterey not too long ago. It was, it was amazing. And my son, Freddie, as you all know, is three. And waves that are this big just almost knock him, knock him down. And God takes all the seas of the ocean, all the, all the waters, and puts them where they are. And establishes places for us to inhabit. Amazing amazing power that take uh signs up at the beach that say don't get too uh loose with the water because it can take you out to sea <laughs> and no one's gonna get you um it's a powerful thing and god is almighty in his power and his glory is is seen in those things so look at those things marvel at those things they're they're amazing um, and they show and prove God's steadfast love these things that are being talked about his faithfulness his righteousness his justice all these enumerations are are given examples of in creation and you can see those things in his world um, and so what flows naturally from from that is verse verse 8 verse 8 and I'll read through a Well, I'll read, I don't know. I'll read 8 through 11, I guess. Um, It's hard to find a stopping place, so my sections feel haphazard to a degree. But nonetheless, it says, let all the earth fear the Lord and let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of Yahweh stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Why, why does God's covenant keeping love over all the earth flow naturally into that? It's, it's it's because if God is so faithful with these things that we can base all of our lives upon, upon set up a system of time and of calendars and all that stuff if he's so faithful in the natural realm what about with those he loves who who are under his covenant faithful his promises will be true for them and so it flows naturally for the psalmist to say fear the lord stand in awe of him uh, w- which in, in the in the in the psalms y- you can recollect the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. Um, there's also a couple other ones that, that I, I grabbed here. But it says in Psalm twenty five fourteen it says, The secret of the Lord, or the secret counsel of the Lord, is for those who fear him. And he will make them know his covenant. Um, there's a, yet one more I want to share. How, uh, this is Psalm 31, 19, how great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refi- refuge in you before the sons of men. God's, uh, covenant, uh, God, God, uh, the, the Psalmist calling for fear here is, is really what the Old Testament uses to, to talk about faith. This is what, this is what, how faith is described in Abraham and the patriarchs and a feel just as a a glance it it feels less in the new testament even though it says uh to fear him in a number of places but this is something that's said over and over and over fear stand in awe those things are synonymous um and we've seen why because of his power um so fear and, and awe here are the experience of the believer um and i and so, therefore, it it means for it's a it's a call, and we can we can hear the gospel here um, in shadow and type in the Old Testament, uh, going to all the nations, all all the nations, all the world. Right there's there's God's coming and keeping love here that that you can um, ascertain. Uh, to, to degree, obviously you need the preaching of the gospel for the full revelation of that, and we have it. But the call here is a look for what we see happening in the New Testament. All the earth, come, come, fear the Lord, come under his lordship, submit to him, love him. This is in the Old Testament. It's not something new that pops on the scene in, in the New Testament merely. It's, it's the fulfillment of that, but the gospel is seen here uh, just as Romans talks about, or excuse me, Galatians talks about the preaching of the gospel to Abraham, all the nations are going to be blessed in you, and we see that there's a beautiful picture of what we know as as the fullness of the gospel, right here in this call to fear the Lord. Verse nine talks about his power. Um, he spoke, and it came to be. It's really a restatement of what was done. Uh, but I want you to see in verse 9 and verse 11. Verse, verse 9, it, he said, He commanded, and it stood fast. And again, in verse 11, The counsel of Yahweh stands. So, so God, God, when he speaks, it's firm as a, it's firm as a rock. Uh, whereas the peoples who are not his, the nations, all their plans, he thwarts. And to capture the beauty of this, I can think of the, the, I was uh, reminded of Esther. I don't know if you remember the story about Haman, and he, there's, so Jewish exile, but Esther, um, excuse me, just to speak about Mordecai, so Haman is the villain in the story Mordecai is this righteous faithful Jew um, who still is trusting in the Lord and Haman wants the Jewish nation exterminated he wants him dead um, and he and his wife collude to make a plan and they make a gallows to be hung on because he wants to kill this nasty Jew Mordecai at least that's how he views it and Man's faithful to the Lord and God's providence is all in this. And so that's their counsel. They want this guy to die. And what does the Lord do? Well, God has a different sort of counsel. He's going to use that as the plan, uh, as the foil (laughs) to the plan. What happens is Esther is before the king and she reveals like there is a death plot for the Jews and the king is furious. Who could, who could want this? Uh, and what ends up happening is Haman gets hung. It's, he's found out. His plan is thwarted. It's nullified. And God's plan to save and protect his people is, is preserved. The, the Jews are preserved. Haman gets hung on the gallows he made. That's one. And it's an amazing story. How God and man both have plans but when God's plans and man's plans, man's plans for evil against his people collide, God, God often, often, often thwarts them because God always accomplishes his, his plans against man's plans. That's what's being seen here. And, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't share Acts chapter four, uh, the greatest display of what's being talked about here. Uh, Acts chapter four, verse um, twenty twenty three. So P- Peter and John were arrested. They threatened them not to speak about the Christ. They they went away rejoicing, um, and then they they're coming back to the to the rest of the church. who has been praying for them, and uh, they come and they report all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, which was don't talk about Jesus essentially. Um, and it says, When they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and, he s- and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who, by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David your servant, said, Why did the na- Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand again uh, and the rulers were gathered together against the lord and against his christ for truly in the city they were gathered together against your holy servant jesus whom whom you anointed both herod and pontius pilate along with the gentiles and the people of israel to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur and then they and they pray and the place is shaken but what's to be noted there is there's all these plans of man Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Jews, the the Romans, they all had different plans. All of them. All the nations have different plans. Uh, That quote is from Psalm 2. Beautiful. Go look at it. But all those plans are against Christ. But God has a greater plan. Is to use all of those in order to buy our redemption. To save us from our sins. God's plans stand. That's how they stand. They're never thwarted. Man's plans against you and me, Christian, cannot be thwarted, um, and we'll we'll see here in a second. But that's the God we serve, and that's that's focus on that that majestic revelation and that connection between His power and creation and His power toward you. Um, amazing verse 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 12 and i believe this is the high point of the high point of the scripture here it says blessed is the nation whose god is yahweh the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance so out of from from all that's all that's been said it says those who have yahweh as their God are the blessed nation in in the parallel. So in, in poetry, two lines are com- it's communicating the same idea, but it's it's unfolding a little bit in a little bit different way. So the first line is is there's a there's a blessed nation whose God is the Lord, and, and we would know that in the New Testament as the Christian church, right? We, we have a kingdom, Paul, uh, or excuse me, Paul, Pat, Pat, not Paul, um, but he's quoting Paul, but um, there's two kingdoms, right? There's a kingdom of this world and a kingdom of heaven, and we are in God's kingdom even even now. It's going to come in its fullness, but it's here now, and we're under God's kingdom, under his lordship, and we live according to that rule, We are the nation here in its fullness, Jew and Gentile together. So there's that. And then how is it said again, but in a different way? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people, the nation, whom he, God, has chosen, elected, he's picked for his own inheritance and and here's election in the old testament it's it's an amazing it's it's an amazing thing because god chose you for to to be his it's it's amazing god god's our inheritance but here we're we're his inheritance we're his prized possession god has his his we'll see in a second his eye on us for for salvation he has he has a, a, a specific plan for us, and we just learn that it can't be thwarted. And we've learned in the New Testament that, that God promises to, to take our, as we feel unrighteous and, and failing lives, to bring us home to glory because he wants us to be his for, forever. And we can bank on it, right, because his plans aren't thwarted, and he's powerful to do it. How do you not see the blessedness in that? That's amazing. And that's why the psalmist exclaims, blessed. (laughs) We're blessed. This is how. As God has chosen us for himself to be his people. uh, And and he will be our God, as it's described in Revelation. That's the high point of the psalm. And God will accomplish his plan. Uh, John chapter 6. No one can snatch us from his hand. Jesus said, no one can snatch you from my hand. I and the Father are one in power. Um, I have more to say there. And I have dwindling time. Let me get some water. We'll do the last section. I'll read it. It's going to be verse 13 through the end. Uh, and I will keep it, it brief here. But this, this section together, um, 13 through 15, is together. And I want you to, to listen for the word uh, for what Yahweh is doing with his eyes in this. It's, it's a song. And so the, the beauty of, of the poetry in the writing, the skillful writing that was commanded in 1, 2, and 3, um, and singing, it, it comes out here. And God is, is going to see man generally. I think the unbelieving world and then in in 16 and 17 he's going to see what man is able to accomplish and in uh, 18 and 19 is is going to see believers differently so so listen listen for that as I read behold the eye oh excuse me <laughs> sorry getting a little ahead of myself verse 13 excuse me the Lord looks from heaven he sees all the sons of men from his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all, and who understands all their works. What is what is, what is the King, the Lord, who is sitting in heaven, see among the children of men, or, or among the earth? What does he see? the uh, The enumeration is in sixteen and seventeen. Don't it feels disjointed if you don't see it together? And don't see the connection with with what's being said with the eyes. So he sees what? A king is not saved. Is not saved by his mighty army. By a mighty army. A warrior. God sees a warrior is not delivered. It's another way to say saved. By his great strength. A horse is the great might of the of the time, right? This is this is the tank, so to speak, of, of the Old Testament. They didn't have tanks back then, they had horses. This it was great military might. God sees a horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. It doesn't save. It does, God sees that man is un incapable of saving himself. Uh through all of our might, and it's in the physical, and I believe this is can be seen uh, clearly in the parallel in what's being said here, and I believe the writer wants you to see that it's it is an ultimate salvation too. It's a it's a picture, it's a shadow um, of what's said in the New Testament. This is unfolded in other words in the New Testament, but here this salvation it's it's the same. A man he sees man can't save. And in verse 18, you're going to see the other portion. So that's a negative portion. The positive. Behold. And whenever that word comes up, you need to listen very carefully. The eye of Yahweh is on those who fear him. On those who hope for his loving kindness. To deliver. So he sees believers in a, in a special way. Um, how? How? Not, not, some, not what they're doing. He actually sees them and he sets his, he sets his affection upon them to do something for them. Uh, we're the ones sitting in this picture here waiting. We're hoping. And his, his eye is on us. His favor is on us to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Again, pictures of the thing that we find the eternal reality in Christ, namely as an eternal salvation. Verse 20 and 21 and 22. Our soul waits for Yahweh. He is our help and our shield because or for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness O Lord, be upon us, according as we hoped in you. And um, in verse eighteen, you see the word hope. In verse twenty-two, you see the word hope. In verse twenty, you see the word uh, our soul waits. And and those are, if you look at the word, it's it's synonyms. There's a word play. It's it's really actually very amazing, but they both could be translated hope and wait actually if you go look at all the all the other all the other ways people translate it uh, uh, translators don't know what what to, what to do because it's a word play how do you how do you communicate this it's it's very clear here wait and hope we have the same feeling i know you guys have been exhorted just as i have wait on the lord and he will make your path straight when you pray we're told to wait on the lord And then the context here is there's there's salvation that's just been talked about. And and our response and our job in the psalmist is saying, Lord, we wait on you. The same thing is being said, we hope in you. And that's what's being said here. And so very simply, wait on the Lord. He will save you. Trust in the Lord. He will save you. As my timer, um, I just got a few more minutes. So Yahweh, so so let's 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 let me say this again. Yahweh has a in verse eighteen and, and below. He has a special eye. He has a favor. He set his affection. He it says in the other scripture that I quoted. He he makes known to you as secret counsel, and he's going to make his covenant known to you. And there's an intimate relationship with, with God. And here, the relationship um, is beautiful in the sense that it is absolutely freeing because it's resting in his power and his covenant and his election. It's resting, it's trusting, it's hoping, it's, it's waiting. All those are being said. If you look at 21... The bottom of the, verse 21, that's the bottom of the argument, okay? It says, our heart rejoices in him. And you could say in verse 20, therefore our soul waits on him. Why do we wait on him? Because we trust in him, right? That's why we wait on him. That's what the psalmist is saying. He's our help and our shield. Why? Because we rejoice in him. And that's an amazing relationship, Right? I'm glorying. We're glorying in the Lord. And his response to that is, I'm going to protect you. I'm your shield. I'm your help. I'm the one who lifts you up. And then in verse 21 to 22, because these are all connected, um, the, the natural outflow then, I think I, it's hard to read this as, as any other way, of, as, as, a, as, a, as a prayerful request. Here, so coming off, we trust in you, Lord. We rejoice in you. Therefore, Lord, let your loving kindness, that word comes up again, your 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 covenant, your faithful covenant-keeping love to us, let that rest on us. Please. Um and you can you can trust in that. You can rejoice in that and according as we hope in you, right there. There there's that connection. So we hope in you and your, your love will be on us and you can fill that out and you should when you read this in, in all the Psalms, you should fill that out with the, the truth that you know that God has promised to us, that, that he's going to bring us home to glory, that the remaining sin in our life is, is, is going to be progressively weeded out of our life. He's going to make you look like Christ. He is, is going to be your God someday in a way where he's wiping away all tears, and they're gone. And there's all this suffering, cancer, what have you, in this earth is going to be done away with. And the psalmist is encouraging us and exhorting us, and it's a, a congregational song about God's majestic we saw how wonderful it is. It's majestic. His power is in creation. And we saw, see his masterful plans, which the, this writer talks about, and that God plans, and, and no one can thwart his plans, and he is faithful. We see it everywhere in this world, what he does. His work is accompanied by his own truthfulness. And so his majestic power, his masterful plans... And the blessedness of being his people under and, and through and by his his love, which he has set on us so that he can save us. And so there's very little exhortation to be to be done throughout this whole scripture besides see God for who he is for you in Christ and trust in him and rejoice in him. It's such a call to be happy in, in the Lord and for all that you know about him and use these things to cultivate that so that you would, in, in your heart, ex, ex, experience the joy that comes from being his. Uh, so as, an, as, an, as closing, um, I want to I pray again and, and just pray God's blessing from this text over us. Um so pray with me. Powerful and holy mighty Yahweh. Our Lord, our God, our savior, our king. You reveal yourself to us as such a, a powerful and fearful God, whom we can tremble before and know that that you have chosen us and and the trembling we have um, is one in which also is it consists your faithful protection for us, who are weak and needy and cannot save ourselves. you God, reveal who you are so that we might rejoice and i pray that every heart here would find something in psalm 33 to rejoice in throughout this week to be able to share with with each other husband and wife and and fellow heir in christ uh, brother and sister i lord i'm so bad at this <laughs> i'm so bad but lord let us tell of your glories let us tell of all that we see in you and, and, and what you do and be in awe again over the the simplest of things. You, your power to create all things and your control of them and your plans. It's something we learn in Sunday school when we're little and we're first coming to know who you are. And yet again, we want to be cultivated by the knowledge of of these Majestic, beautiful things in your scripture and by who you are. I pray, God, as we are weak and failing, that our hearts would treasure you above all things and find that we are so blessed to be your children. Pray that we would be able to rest as is prayed for in the psalm. We'd be able to hope and expect that you will protect us, you'll keep us, you'll answer our prayers. I pray that my brothers and sisters would be encouraged and that they would go away knowing Christ more and loving him more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.